What makes a masterpiece? For law coffee artists, it's the desire to create beauty in every sip of law coffee. The finest, most unique flavors and the richest, deepest aromas. Artfully blended so you can enjoy a moment of pure coffee pleasure. Law, a masterpiece in taste. Step into a world of coffee pleasure with our new Law Barista machine. More than three decades have passed since the brutal murders of Valerie Gunnell and her two children, five-year-old Shemaya and nine-month-old Lucretia. But despite the fact the killer is now on death row awaiting execution for the murders, there are still unanswered questions as to what happened to Shemaya. This is a story of a young family who entrusted a man who the mother was in love with. He'd only just been released from prison, yet keeping to his parole requirements. And from the outside, seemed to be making a fresh start. Little did Valerie know she had invited an evil monster into her home. This is Shemaya's story. In 1989, five-year-old Shemaya Gunnell lived with her mother, 26-year-old Valerie Gunnell, and her nine-month-old baby sister, Lucretia Kirkland, in an apartment complex on North First Avenue in Yuma, Arizona. Valerie was unemployed at the time, although she had worked previously in a Tucson yarn mill. But because she was unemployed, the family relied on food stamps and other government assistance to survive. In January 1989, Valerie's new boyfriend, 27-year-old Alvie Copeland Kyles, had just completed a four-year stint in prison after being convicted on aggravated assault. He moved in with the family four months after his release. Given the time he was in prison and Valerie's daughter being only nine months old to another man, this leads me to believe that Valerie and Kyles' relationship must have only been still a very new relationship, but that's just my speculation. It has been reported Kyles was abiding by his parole requirements, checking in with his parole officer and attending his court-appointed counselling sessions. His parole officer would later be quoted as saying Kyles' behaviour at these sessions was satisfactory. For some reason, though, the mandated drug testing wasn't being conducted, and Coles had picked up his previous addictions to heroin, cocaine and alcohol. February 9th, 1989. To fund his increasingly worsening drug habit, Kyles stole Valerie's purse with the purpose of selling her food stamps. With the money he received... He purchased cocaine and got high with some friends. He would return home at 11pm where he was confronted by an obviously upset and angry Valerie. The money and the food stamps were important to ensure the family were fed and housed. 
the couple proceeded to have a physical and verbal altercation, culminating with Valerie slapping Coles across the face. When he warned her never to do that again, Valerie responded by slapping him for a second time. What happens next is according to what Kyles would tell numerous people, as well as what authorities can piece together from the blood evidence. After Valerie slapped Kyles for a second time, Kyles left the apartment and headed down to his car. He retrieved a tire iron from his car and returned to the apartment. He would knock Valerie unconscious with a tire iron. After several minutes, she would regain consciousness and allegedly asked Kyle's, quote, Why did you do that? Unquote. It was at this point he would beat Valerie to death. Now the noise from the vicious and violent attack woke the two girls, who were asleep in the same room before the assault occurred. Kyle's would claim the girls were screaming for their mother. Kyle's would reason... In fear of Shemaya and Lucretia identifying him for the murder, they had to die too. He would murder them in the same manner as their mother. He would beat them to death with a tire iron. Kyles would then wrap Valerie's body up in a bedspread, leaving her in the hallway where she died. He put the children's bodies in plastic bags and then into his car. He drove to the Colorado River, where he threw the bags with the girls' bodies into the rushing water. Carl's then went back to the apartment and went to bed to sleep off his cocaine-fueled high. February 10th, 1989, the following day. Numerous witnesses would see Carl's driving around in Valerie's car. This was unusual as Valerie was very particular about who drove her car and Kyle's had never done so, at least not without Valerie and the girls being with him. But still, no one really thought much of it at the time. That afternoon, he went to a friend's home where he had another cocaine binge. During this visit, Kyle's would openly admit to his friends that he had killed his girlfriend and her children saying Valerie had to die for quote-unquote ragging on him for stealing from her. One of these friends called his bluff, that he just didn't believe him. So Kyles took him to his apartment and showed him. Valerie still wrapped in the same bloody bedspread in the hallway. The Charlie Project describes the crime scene as something out of a horror movie. This friend, not believing Valerie was dead but instead unconscious, tried to reason with Kyle's to call an ambulance. But Kyle's simply replied that Valerie was definitely dead and callously stepped on her face to prove his point. But Kyle's did not stop with his drug friends with his confessions. He would also call his mother and a family friend to relay the same horrific story. It would be his mother that reported her son and the murders to the Yuma Police Department on the evening of February 10th, 1989. What makes a masterpiece? For law coffee artists. 
It's the desire to create beauty in every sip of Lure Coffee. The finest, most unique flavors and the richest, deepest aromas. Artfully blended so you can enjoy a moment of pure coffee pleasure. Lure, a masterpiece in taste. Step into a world of coffee pleasure with our new Lore Barista Machine. February 11th, 1989. Police entered Valerie's apartment in the early morning hours. They found Valerie's remains as it had remained for the last few days. They would also find a significant amount of blood in the living room and both bedrooms of the home. There was blood on the walls, ceiling, curtains and floor. Police even found a pillow that was so soaked with blood that it dripped when it was picked up. The tire iron used to kill the family was found in one of the bedrooms with some of Valerie's hair still attached to it with congealed blood. In the bathroom, there seemed to be an attempt to clean up the bloody mess. Blood was found smeared on the floor and bloody towels thrown in the bathtub. The room itself smelled of bleach. A bone fragment was found near a living room chair that police would later be quoted as saying looked like someone had been sitting on, bleeding profusely. There was no sign of Shemaya or Lucretia at the scene. Kyles was arrested soon after, initially on the parole violation for the drug use. He was found hiding under a bed at a friend's apartment. Valerie's remains would be transported to the Yuma County Coroner's Office. Her autopsy showed the extent of the brutal attack against her and led police to have grave concerns for the children. Valerie's autopsy revealed she had extensive blunt force trauma to her, quote, head, face, neck, upper extremities and trunk, unquote. She had multiple lacerations, including lacerations to her brain, multiple skull fractures, and all of her front teeth had been shattered. Valerie's right forearm had been fractured, and she had puncture wounds on the top of her left elbow. Both of these last injuries were determined by the coroner to be defensive wounds, indicating that Valerie had fought for her life. Meanwhile, authorities focused their attention on the search for Shemaya and Lucretia. Contemporary media reports would say as many as 25 friends of the family lined the banks of the Colorado River to look for the bodies of the missing girls. They were accompanied by cadaver dogs and divers from several local and neighbouring police departments. Police Captain Richard Leffler addressed the media, quote, when you have two young kids missing like this, it tends to make police officers work a little harder to solve it, unquote. As we mentioned in our previous episode on Ali's story, search dogs were crucial in the searches. These dogs trained in detecting gases from decomposing bodies. And like in the Katie Gray episode, they can detect these gases not only just from the ground, but also originating from under the water or from under the surface of the land. 
These specially trained dogs were brought in from Sandy, Utah, with their handlers, Tom Shirley and Jed Abbott. Volunteer group Rocky Mountains Rescue Incorporated also attended all the searches. February 16, 1989, one week after the murders, authorities made a heartbreaking discovery. The body of Lucretia Kirkland was found in an irrigation canal about 15 miles away from the US-Mexican border. Her skull had been completely shattered. The county coroner determining that Lucretia died in the same manner as her mother. The nine-month-old was beaten to death with a tire iron, just as Kyle said. Unfortunately, Shemaya's body has never been recovered. The Colorado River, where Lucretia's remains were found, covers several states. As we mentioned, Lucretia was found near the Mexican border. Unfortunately, after that, the river flows into the Gulf of California, which in turn goes into the Pacific Ocean. It is entirely possible that Shemaya's tiny body could have been swept out to sea. It is just as possible her remains are lying on the riverbank, along the Colorado River under dirt and sediment. Due to the amount of blood found at the scene, a significant amount of blood on a mattress was proven to be a match to the five-year-old's DNA. It is presumed that Shemaya was killed at the time of the other murders, just as Coles admitted in his confessions. Even without Shemaya's body, Coles was charged with three counts of first-degree murder. December 15, 1989. The thrice-murder case went to trial. Coles' defence lawyers claimed that his addiction to cocaine and the diagnosis of, quote, an adjustment disorder with depressed mood of mild to moderate intensity and a mixed personality disorder consisting of narcissistic, paranoid and explosive features, unquote, meant that Kyles was not in control of his actions on the night of the murders, and therefore the murders weren't premeditated, and hence the first-degree murder charges should be off the table. For the prosecution in his testimony, veteran police detective Brian Rogers broke down when discussing the condition of Lucretia and the likely fate of Shemaya, quote, there is no way a nine-month-old could identify or testify against him. And for the five-year-old, the traumatic shock would have been to the point she may never have been able to tell us what happened. There was no reason for them to die. Unquote. The jury would agree with the prosecution. They convicted Alves, Copeland, Kyles on three counts of first-degree murder and two counts of child abuse. He was sentenced to death for each of the murder convictions and two consecutive terms of 22 years for the child abuse charges. But in 2000, this sentence would be overturned, as it was claimed Kyles had inadequate defence in his initial trial. This jury could not agree on a suitable punishment, however, which resulted in his sentence being reduced to consecutive sentences of life behind bars. But at the same time, the sentences of child abuse were upgraded to life as well. It must be noted at this point 
that at no time did Kyles deny his involvement in the three murders, or even downplay his involvement from the confession he told basically everyone in his life the day after the crime took place. So because of this, there was no appeal on the life sentences. Two thousand and nine, the case was back in court. This time, the Arizona Supreme Court, with the state appealing the death penalty being overturned, Coles's defence team again argued the first degree murder charge, and therefore the death penalty should not be considered, because how can Coles be guilty of premeditation when he was intoxicated, and that the jury should have been instructed as such. But High Court Judge Justice Michael Ryan said the evidence presented to the jury during the trials was enough for them to find premeditation. That included Kyle's going to his car and getting the tie iron, and then returning to the apartment and killing both Valerie and the girls. In our unanimous decision, the justices rejected arguments that there were irregularities in the trials. These ranged from claims of effective assistance of counsel to what he said was extensive pre-trial publicity that created prejudice against Kyle's. In our research, there was nearly a hundred articles about the case in the Yuma Daily Sun available in the Wayback Machine. But Justice Ryan actually applauded the media coverage. He stated it was the best he had seen in such a case, and that it was extremely unbiased and they only reported the facts at hand. Ultimately, the High Court said there was enough aggravating circumstances around the murders, including multiple deaths, and that the crimes were committed in such a cruel and heinous fashion to overcome any claims by Kyle's that he should be spared the death penalty. The justices were not swayed by the arguments the defence put forth and the death penalty was reinstated for the murder of Valerie. For Shemaya and Lucretia, consecutive life sentences remained. As of the time of this recording, Kyles is currently awaiting execution on death row, but he continues to fight his case. He does have other means of appeal – he has one last option to present his case to the federal court to argue the constitution of the death sentence. However, this would not affect the separate guilty verdicts or sentences against him for the murder of the girls or the sentences for the child abuse. As of the time of this recording, Shemaya's remains have not been recovered. Shemaya Gunnell was five years old at the time of her disappearance. She was four foot and around 50 pounds. She is African-American with black hair and dark brown eyes. Shemaya has a birthmark behind her neck on the right side. If Shemaya is still alive today, she would be 38 years old. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Shemaya Gunnell please contact the Yuma Police Department on 928-783-4421. If you have your own thoughts on the case we discussed today, 
or any case we talk about on Stolen Lives. Please search Stolen Lives on Facebook. Like the page so you don't miss any episode and join the discussion group to share your ideas and theories. You can also talk to us on Twitter, search lives underscore stolen, and on Instagram, Stolen Lives Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please share on your social media of choice and rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast app. This week's episode was researched, written, hosted and produced by me, Ali. Music is by Mayu. What makes a masterpiece? For law coffee artists, it's the desire to create beauty in every sip of law coffee. The finest, most unique flavors and the richest, deepest aromas. Artfully blended so you can enjoy a moment of pure coffee pleasure. Law, a masterpiece in taste. Step into a world of coffee pleasure with our new law barista machine. 